All right, welcome to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today I have with me Adam Christensen, who is running for the 3rd Congressional District in Florida. Adam, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, tell, tell folks a little bit about who you are and why you are running for Congress. Hey, no, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I'm running for Congress pretty much because I didn't feel like I had any other choice. Uh, right out of college, I started my first company, and basically that company, um, I had I had somebody down here in Florida that came to me and said, you know, we just had to pull sixty thousand dollars worth of uh, an oil, an essential oil, off the market because it was fake, it was fraudulent, and we bought it and we got screwed. And basically, they wanted to make sure that you know they weren't going to get screwed again. And so I started a company basically to test products for fraud. And what I realized was that about sixty, seventy percent of the ones that I was testing. They were all fake, but they were from some of the biggest companies in the world and they were the highest priced oils out there. And yet they were almost worthless. And so what I started to realize was that it wasn't just that one company and that one industry. We live in a world right now where everything, you know, if it has a shiny bow, if it's marketed well, we believe that it's high quality or we believe that it's good for us. When in reality, a lot of the basic things that we use or we spend our money on, they're fake, they're fraudulent, they're not worth anywhere close to what we think that they are. And so for me, I'm running, especially here, I grew up in a very conservative household in Indiana in one of the most Republican counties in in the country. And, you know, I, I grew up and I understood and the people around me understood really that neither party at the end of the day, cared whether or not my family or I were going to live or die. They just didn't care. Uh, and so for me, you know, my, my kind of thinking went, I, I grew up in the church as well. My kind of thinking went, you know, who is actually going to do the mission of the church? Who is actually going to go out there and protect those uh, who are powerless? to feed the hungry, clothe those who don't have anything, make sure that people can be okay. And so for me, that's why I'm running is because I've seen ever since really 2008, when we decided to hand millions and billions and trillions of dollars to giant companies who didn't need it simply because they wanted to give their CEOs and their hedge funds extra money to have fun with. And yet, my family and the families around us, you know, people were scared of losing their houses, losing their jobs, even just being able to survive. And then with this pandemic and everything that's happened with the tax breaks of two years ago that we gave to the biggest companies in the world, the same thing happened again 12 years later. And so my family, we invested when we pay our taxes. Taxes are not just something that you lose. Taxes are an investment. And so if I'm going to pay taxes, I want to make sure I'm getting my money back or at least I'm getting things that are worth it. And so for me, that's why I'm running is because right now we pay taxes twice. We pay taxes to the government. We pay taxes to private companies and the taxes to private companies. At the end of the day, we're paying twice as much for healthcare as anyone else in the world. And less than half of us are getting what we're supposed to be getting. And so that's really why I'm running. Yeah. It's all interesting stuff. Um, You talk about products that don't work. Uh, A joke that, that my wife and I have is that I can't believe that somebody made, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars off of Febreze, which is just water that smells good, right? Like, so it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good, but it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that there are a lot of companies putting out products that 
don't do what they're supposed to do, especially, you know, in the sort of uh, <clears throat> secondary, uh, what I call the, the secondary medical market where these there's these pseudo, pseudo medical products that are supposed to help people, you know, um, with ailments and, and issues that they're facing. So that, that's an interesting line of work. I'd, I'd, I'd actually <laughs> like to have you back on the show someday to talk more about that and sort of your findings yeah. there. Cause I think that that's a whole, that could be a whole conversation in and of itself. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of yeah. agree with you on, it, it doesn't really feel like either major political party, you know, at the end of the day really cares too much about the, the general well, welfare of the people that belong uh, to those parties. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you talked about, Church. I want to focus on that a little bit, if if you don't mind. Um, I am a member of sure. a, a local Baptist church here in Clay County, right? Um, and I've always I talk to people about the government being too big and doing too many things that it was never designed to do, and then it's not good at doing, right? Um, and I talk about you know things like uh, and I don't want to get too far down this path, but healthcare and abortion and and uh, things like that. If if there are people who earnestly believe that when people are in trouble and need help, someone ought to help them and the church isn't doing it, I sort of see the natural progression, and it sounds like maybe you're kind of on this path where if the church isn't doing it and the people who ought to be, you know, um, charitable towards others aren't being charitable and aren't taking care of the the less fortunate, the poor, the needy, and so on, then then most people are going to turn to the government and say, hey, you know, we've got to band together and use tax dollars to try to help people when they need help. Um, so I think that's, you know, what I see as, as I look through you know, looked through your website before you and I talked, I see a lot of things that are, are really, you know, I think, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but I, I think that you have a platform that's really sort of based on um, helping people, right? I don't see a whole lot of, you know, stuff that isn't related to actually like someone benefiting, you know, so it's interesting to see, like, I, I think that, that the way you've laid out your platform, even the parts I don't agree with, but in the parts I do agree with, I think it, it definitely ties back to what you said about um, you know, getting something from the tax, do- tax dollars that you pay because, you know, you could make an argument <laughs> the libertarian in me wants to go down the path with you about taxation being sort of theft, right? Like you could argue that it's taken by force and, and we don't really have the full representation that we need to to have a say in where our tax dollars go. But but I like that, you know, uh, you know, I like that somebody is willing to talk about like, you know, people need help. How are we going to help them, right? So I want to go through a little bit of the the things that are on your platform. Yeah, do you mind if I do you mind if I touch on that? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So for me, I for me, when I think about America's founding, when I think about the principles of America, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, correct? That's the way I understand it, yeah. Well, for me, I get for me, you can't have life if you don't have access to health care. And right now, when I said that products are fraudulent, let me give you a really good example of a fraudulent product. Right now in the healthcare industry, we pay 30% of everything that we pay for healthcare to a middleman, to an insurance company that does absolutely nothing besides try to deny coverage and make money off premiums and deductibles. The Supreme Court said with Obamacare that premiums and deductibles with the ACA should be considered taxes, which means right now you pay taxes to insurance companies in the form of premiums and deductibles that you have no say in. You don't have a seat on the board. You have no ability to be able to have a say whatsoever in whether or not they charge outrageous prices, whether or not they cover things, whether or not they cover pre-existing conditions. But you do have a say when it comes to the government. Why? Because you can vote. Because you have representation. That's the difference. 
for me, right now, basic survival should not be charity. Simply being able to afford a home or being able to afford a roof over your head or being able to afford to be able to go to the doctor and not go bankrupt, that shouldn't be regardless of charity, of whether or not the church is going to step in. There has to be a basic level of needs met for people to have freedom. And right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic with ridiculous unemployment rates. And we're still saying that right now, we don't care whether or not everyone is covered or able to go to the hospital. The last thing you want in the middle of a pandemic is somebody to not have health care or not be able to go to the doctor. And the problem is right now, if one person in our country is not able to go to the doctor and be okay, then the rest of us who do have health insurance, we're at risk. And so for me, it's not simply saying, oh, well, I'm a libertarian, because every single policy point that I've put out there, it has an ROI above one which means we would be making money because it would be a good investment. And right now, the one thing I really don't enjoy, and like I said, I grew up a Republican, is that most Republican policies at this point, they don't have a return on investment that is above one. It's far below, or what they're doing is essentially socialism for corporations. It's corporate socialism, where they take the money that we make, that we work hard, and they give it to companies that don't deserve it, or they give it to people like middlemen, like insurance companies, like hedge funds, like people who are speculators and gamble on untranched debt. Essentially, the bottom of the barrel stuff you would never buy in a million years simply because they know that Republicans in Congress will bail them out and hand them our tax dollars. And so I 100% agree with what you mean by making sure that people and, and focusing on people. But right now, we don't have a government that does that on either side, really. Right. Democrats or Republicans. We have corporate Republicans. We have corporate Democrats. And they can care more about their donors and the people that hand them money, our money, than they do about whether or not people are going to survive or, you know, have health care or be able to eat or be able to have a decent education. They don't care about that. And so for me, every single policy point that we've put out there, it focuses on what is actually effective to fix the things that we all want done. Because I can tell you right now, I probably agree with you on 99% of things all the time. The only difference is how we get there. And so yep. for me, the way I've thought through everything is what is the most efficient, effective, affordable, and at the end of the day, best investment that we can do with our money so that we can cut costs, we can trim the fat, and we can get rid of people that we don't have any say in how they do things. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to disagree with, with things that you're saying. You know, I, I do think we probably, you know, disagree, um, you know, on how to get to, to some of the the means to get to some of the ends, right? I think we probably differ on. But, I, but you know, you'll find I'm sort of a rare bird where I can, I can see the good in someone's idea, even if I disagree with the mechanics of how they want to implement it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why conversations like this are good, right? Like, you know, I, I, want, to, I want people to hear what you have to say and how you want to get to those things. So I kind of want to start with... Um, since we talked about healthcare and, and products and, and things like that, um, let's talk about your, your ideas for cutting drug prices in half. And I think it ties into the whole middleman yeah. thing. I, I've been say I've been beating that drum for, for a long time that the part of the reason, uh, that healthcare prices are so high is that is because of the, uh, insurance companies are, are in the middle. I, I think, there, there are so many people taking a cut of the money that you that you know or the, these costs are 
the costs are so inflated to do anything. Like uh, my wife and I, we had, mm-hmm. she had our daughter, um, you know, five, five and a half years ago now. Um, we got a bill in the mail that basically itemized, and this was before insurance kicked in. And, and we're luckily, we are very fortunate, very blessed. We both have, I have insurance through my job. She has it through her, where she works. But the, the total yeah. bill, we were in the hospital two and a half days and the total bill was something around $800,000. And don't get me wrong, yeah. like, you know, having a baby is complicated and complex, but like, even like looking at like the line items for a lot of the things, it's, it was just insane to me. And that's when I started to look at it. And re- it really is what you say. It is these insurance companies that are inflating prices. Now I'm going to call somebody out by name. I'm not expecting you to go on the record and, and agree with me here, but Florida Blue in Jacksonville has this palatial um, <clears throat> campus where they've got buildings that are like 10, 15 story buildings and they've got four or five of them on the campus here. Um, they are hiring people to do product development work at like $100,000 a year to develop like their storefronts and their websites to get people to buy into their insurance. And, and I look at that and I say, all of that is funded by money that people are paying for insurance. And, and it is exactly what you say. It's an industry where you are denying someone care that they need, even though they're paying you, you're telling them, you know, a lot of times, well, you can't have this or you can't have that. And, and we've all heard the stories from many, many people. Um, so, and drug prices are another thing. And I, and I like specifically, and I know I'm talking a lot. I'm just sort of setting this up. What I want to talk about is specifically where on your website, it talks about insulin. I 100% agree with you that people are being ripped off when it comes to insulin. <clears throat> and I want to give you a chance to talk about how would you fix things like insulin where the prices are so inflated uh, that this life-saving drug, people are having to ration it. To, to, to just stay alive because they can't afford it. Give me your ideas, your thoughts on how you cut drug prices in half. Yeah. So my father's type one diabetic. Um, he was one of he was one of those strange cases that got it when he was about thirty five. Uh, he got really sick and basically his pancreas died. Um, and so he has to take insulin every single day, monitors blood sugar, do everything like that. There's a lot of people like him that got it when they were really young though, and. In most countries, the cost to actually produce a bottle of insulin is about six bucks. In almost every other country in the world, it costs to buy it about $12. It's a pretty good margin. Here in the United States, it's being sold for almost $300 to $350 a bottle. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. One, this goes back um, to corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans. Um, basically what happened was we decided that we were going to pass a bill through Congress that essentially said that we are not able to negotiate drug prices under Medicare. We are not allowed to negotiate with private companies what the price of their drugs are going to be. There is literally a law in the books that says we are not allowed to have a free market where supply and demand actually matters. And so what happened was those companies have basically set prices at whatever they want because they can. And so we've seen this with hedge funds that have gone in and bought out giant pharmaceutical companies or smaller pharmaceutical companies that have life-saving drugs and then jack up the price 7,000, 9,000%. That should be illegal. But instead, we're protecting them. And so for me, we need to do everything we possibly can to get rid of every single law that eliminates the free market, eliminates competition. Because right now, we don't have a free market in the healthcare industry. And for me, you know, it might, I, it, some people think, you know, they call, they, they, like somebody like Justice Abercat are going to call me a radical socialist or something like that. And I'm like, guys, this is literally free market capitalism. 
This is literally progressive Republican politics that's been around for 140 years, and you just haven't realized that you're on the wrong side of all of this simply because people are giving you money and you feel like you can do it. You're ripping people off. But guess what? It's not going to happen anymore because so many people are dying or getting screwed over or are pissed off at the government or are pissed off at companies. You said you had an $800,000 like uh, bill from the hospital for having a baby. In every other country, you know what the bill is for having a baby? It's 50 bucks, maybe. And right now, especially like looking at this pandemic, our for-profit healthcare industry, we are doing horribly at preventing the spread of a deadly virus and pandemic, whereas every other country in the world that has what these people would call socialized medicine they're all going to be okay. Their cases have dropped significantly. And the number one thing I point out is the only place in the world where we go bankrupt because we can't afford to go to the doctor is in the United States. We have bankruptcies here. One of the number one causes of bankruptcy and people's lives getting destroyed is medical bankruptcy. Nowhere else in the world does that happen. Yeah, it's a shame. And so for me, I'm just, I, I don't understand. I mean, for me, Healthcare should not be a for-profit institution. Making sure people are okay, that should be something all of us want to pay into. And right now we pay twice as much as everyone else in the world, and we don't even get the basics. And so for me, I don't understand that. I don't know how anyone can justify that or defend it. I just don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's radical, by the way. I don't think my position is radical at all. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it's, it's, hard, it's hard for anybody with the brain to look at the medical system in the country and, and not at the very least say something is drastically wrong, right? Like there, there, there's a, there's a big problem here. Now, again, the mechanics of how we get there, I think free market. Yes. I, you know, I, I do think there is a way to balance profit and, and still making sure people get care. And I think that is through competition, right? Like I'll give you an example. You know, I think, uh, I disagree. Uh, <laughs> I, I completely disagree because right now, if you take, so what's, what's going to drive down costs? What's going to drive down costs is you remove all the middlemen and you make sure that the largest pool of money goes to one location without anybody taking a cut, and then you can derive services from that. That is what we need to do. We need to remove the scammers from the system. And the only way to do that at the level that we can do it, just like every other country in the entire world does, is by running it through the government without for-profit insurance companies in the middle. That's the only way to do it. It's the only way that's worked historically. It's the only way that we have in the entire world that the United States has never done. And it's because they're basically, they don't want to give up their profits. Yeah, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. So so here's what I mean when I say there's a way to balance profit and and care. I, I think we're both saying the same thing, that the, the middleman insurance companies are the problem, right? So if I go yep. to the doctor and my doctor charges me, let's say $200, I mean, I think it's safe to say that in between, in between 100 and 150 of that is going to the insurance company, right? And then he's keeping, you know, 50 bucks. He's got expenses for his time. I think, you know, if we got to a system where there is no middleman and you could go to a doctor to have some sort of procedure done for something that's going on and it costs you 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, and that doctor is still making the same amount of money, but he doesn't have to pay the insurance company their cut. I think that's a way what I'm yep. saying is now the doctor is still making a living, right? Because he's, he's got to be paid for his time, um, you know, and he's got oh, sure. costs and expenses, but, but the end user, the end purchaser 
isn't being fleeced to the tune of $200,000 to make yeah. the doctor 35 bucks. Right. And then it becomes this thing where now it's, it's, you know, and, and I don't want to go back to the old days of medicine in terms of technology or science. Right. But there used to be a long time ago in America, you could go to a doctor who was still a certified doctor. Right. And you could pay 10, 20, 30 bucks to have a problem taken care of. But when the insurance company started sure. to come in and that, uh, industry sort of what, was created out of nothing. Well, look at, yeah. look, at the, look at the NHS. If you look at the NHS in England right now, doctors still make as much as they did before. They are still, they still go to, they still, um, you know, go to school for the same amount of time. Nothing changed. The only difference was they were able to charge less because they didn't have to give so much money to scammers. That's what it was. Nothing changes other than you just remove the fat. And the whole thing works better. So I think we're a hundred percent in agreement there. Yeah, I think there's a yeah, there's a way that everybody can sort of benefit. Now, is that does that mean the government has to step in and, and do things? I don't know, you know, right? Like I think that's sort of where, where you lie. You say there are actions yeah. and, and things that the government can do to sort of get us there and and, and me, like I wonder, you know, well, I always look for non government well, solutions. The, first, right? Yeah, but look at the pandemic. The only entity with a large enough ability to scale. And that's really what we're talking about is scalability. When you talk about small businesses and startups, it's about scale. The only entity that we have any power in that has the ability to scale and do what we actually need it to do and do it effectively is the government, of which you and I have a say in. If we were to do it with a private company, we have no say. And basically, you have a CEO that determines whatever he wants, has no accountability, and at the end of the day, if he wants to charge more, he can. Now, with the government, at least you have a say in who your representative is. Now, we have a lot of things we have to fix, like getting a lot of, like, basically banning uh, donations from large-scale corporations and making sure that everyone has an actual equal say in how the government runs. But, you know, it's the only way. And it's the only way any other country has ever found to be able to do it. And so, for me, I don't think, I think that, I honestly think that healthcare should be more like the fire station, more like the police department, more like all of these other services that we all understand need to be run by the government. We really don't have an issue with it, but we just need to be able to do it. And right now, the only people stopping it are the people who are fleecing us. And that's, that's the way I look at it, because I don't believe, I, I, I believe that healthcare is a human right. That is what I believe. There's not a single person that should go bankrupt because their kid gets cancer. That's what I believe. Yeah, and it's a shame that that you know we're at a place where we even have to talk about it, right? Like you know, so uh, talk, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think you know, I think we're saying the same things. The mechanisms to get there, you know, I, I don't know that we'll ever see 100 percent eye to eye on. But I appreciate your perspective, and I understand you know the earnest sort of belief that you have that 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 it's a problem that's got to be taken care of. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about sure. something that, that uh, I don't want to say it's near and dear to my heart, but I, but I see it as a problem that, that nobody really has a solution on homelessness. It seems from mm -hmm. my very layman perspective, right? Just gathering what information I can from the news sources that are out there, my personal experience, uh, the times I've spent uh, any amount of time in downtown Jacksonville is usually the only quote unquote big city I'm ever in. Um, homelessness sure. seems to be a problem that is growing, right? Um, and, and nobody really has a solution. You know, you, if you're a person that has any sort of compassion and you see these folks that are down in their luck and they're out on the street, it's just heart wrenching to see 
you know, people that, that just have nowhere to go. Um, and, but I don't, I've never heard an idea and I can't I personally, I don't, I, you know, I guess I'm not smart enough to come up with any ideas and how do we combat homelessness? How do we fix it? Um, but it looks like, you know, yeah. you have some thoughts around that and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Sure. So right now in Jacksonville, here in Gainesville, pretty much everywhere, um, it costs about thirty-three to $35,000 per chronically homeless or unhoused individual for the city. And that's, that's because, number one, they're out in the streets. Number two, uh, they get sick very easily. And then they have to go to, like we just talked about, the health care system or the emergency room because it gets so bad that they don't have any other choice. Um, you have the fact that, you know, they're not able to actually have a decent, they're not really able to hold a job simply because, you know, if you don't have housing, you don't have stability. Right. You don't have an ability to actually hold on to anything or really do anything. And then on top of that, if you add in uh, the individuals who are chronically homeless, um, who have mental health issues, who really should be under care, but again, they can't afford it. And then you throw on top of it the fact that in it, not a single city in the entirety of the United States does the minimum wage job cover rent. And so those are like the perfect storm possible to make sure that a lot of people, and like you said, it's getting worse. Well, absolutely, it's getting worse. And that has to do with the fact that unemployment is so high. It has to do with the fact, um, you know, that we have this pandemic, it has to do with the fact that, you know, we didn't actually get a stimulus that actually mattered. For instance, in Spain, they decided that they were just going to give everyone $2,000 until this thing is over so that people would be okay. We didn't do that. We gave billions and even trillions of dollars to giant companies who didn't need it. And so for me, looking at that, my first thought was, okay, why is the cost per taxpayer so high? Why is it $35,000? And what would be the most effective way to lower that cost and to help fix the other things? And so the very first thing that we did research on and, and we, we looked at was if you simply provide housing, it goes down to a third of the cost per taxpayer, per unhoused individual, per homeless individual. If you just simply provide extremely affordable housing, you pay a third of what you typically would. On top of that, if you are able to provide health care, then you have almost no cost whatsoever. And so for me, you have to provide housing, the ability for somebody to get back up on their feet and actually have the services that they need, and on top of that, health care. And so if you are able to do those things, and the way I've looked at this and the way that I've looked at it from business, from startup perspective, because I've started two companies, I've, I've, like, I understand what it is to actually invest money and look at how you're going to return it. If you make that small investment, it pays off at the end. And not only that, but you have productive members of society who are no longer homeless simply because they can't afford anything and they can't hold down a job. Right. Um, on top of that, making sure uh, you know that, <laughs> that um, the wages that you're being paid are not poverty wages to the point where you literally can't afford a place, even if you were somehow able to hold down a job. And so for me right now, the things that I've really been talking about and I've talked about for a long time, my family are farmers out in Iowa. 
They've been out there for 50 plus years, small town in, in southwestern Iowa. And 30, 40 years ago, there were a bunch of small towns that just started to dry up. Their storefronts closed, their town centers closed, the businesses that been around for 40, 50 years, they got shut down. They couldn't survive. And the town that my grandfather was in looked around and said, well, why is that happening? And how do we make sure it doesn't happen here? And what they realized was that there was one company who kept moving in, undercutting the prices of everyone else, essentially acting like a monopoly or a cartel in that town and drying up everything. And that company was Walmart. And so that town that my grandfather was in, they said, no, we're not letting that company come in here and destroy us, destroy our way of life. And what I've realized is that we not only have Walmart, we have things like Amazon, we have corporate cartels, monopolies, trust is what they were called in the 1890s by Teddy Roosevelt. Like they, they, they're effectively trust. They control the entire market. There is no free market. And if a new startup or small business does get up and does well, they're able to crush them or buy them out for pennies on the dollar. And so right now, we're not able to have better wages because we have basically cartels and monopolies that control every industry. And so for me, fighting that, especially in, in, like in, in, in rural Florida, in north, uh, north central Florida, has to be the number one priority. And then on top of that, just with the astronomical unemployment rate that we have and the fact people can't get decent jobs, that's the next thing you have to tackle. So for me, the thing I think would be most effective to fight homelessness, <laughs> to be able to make sure that people like you and me or people um, you know, that we know are able to survive and have a decent job would be something like a federal jobs guarantee. Right here in Florida, we're going to keep getting pounded by hurricanes. People are going to have to keep fleeing up the coast. Like That's just how it is, and we know it's going to keep getting worse. And so what we need to do is we need to create almost like a Tennessee Valley authority for North Central Florida, where we basically say, look, if you want a job, you can have it. And you're going to get paid $60,000 or more because of it. And so what we need to do is be able to actually protect people. And so kind of really the, the, like, the thing that I have said since we've started, and this is the thing that you know, a lot of, especially Republicans, you know, agree with me on 100%, but then you have others that are running for office that say, now I'm just a radical lefty. And I'm, my response is, you know, if you work eight hours a day, you should be able to afford a home. You should be able to start a family. You should be able to have a little bit of money left over on the weekend to go have fun. Like, that's freedom. And I don't think that that's radical. But right now, even if you do work eight hours a day, a lot of people still can't afford to do that. And so that has to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, like I said, it's a heartbreaking situation. Uh, you know, you, you look at a lot of these problems are tied together. You know, you look at the, the lack of health care, the, the middlemen that have inflated that. Uh, I, I can't imagine being in a situation, one of those folks who who's down on their luck and is uh, is homeless and trying to go for a job interview, but literally having no place to take a shower. Right. Having no way yep. like to wash my clothes. Like, um, you know, so it's good to see, you know, people who actually are coming up with with uh, solutions. Like how do we, you know, how do we help those folks? Um, you know, so it's, it's just such a, 
it's such a big problem, such a tough problem. I don't, you know, uh, you know, if, if, if you, if you make yeah. it to Congress, uh, I wish you luck in, in tackling that problem. But you know, the pessimist, the pessimist <laughs> in me, it. you know, the pessimist in me worries that, that, you know, I don't know if one man can do it. Well, like, you're, you know, you said you're, you you said you're more libertarian mindset, right? Yep. Yeah. Why are you paying three times as much as you should? Oh, because of cronyism in the government, right? The, the government, the people in, especially no, at the federal it's level. it's not that. It's, you don't it's, think so? It's not, it's, it's not that. It's, it's simply because we haven't decided that we're going to provide affordable housing. That's why you're paying three times more. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated. Oh, it's you mean three times cronyism. more for the, it's simply, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three times more for per, per homeless per, gotcha. per, per yeah, somebody yeah. who is homeless than we should. Yep. I mean, why, why is that? It's because we don't provide affordable housing. Yeah, we're That's spending it. if we're spending the money That's already. That's the only reason, right? If we're spending the money already, yeah. take that money and use it towards something that's going to help people. And and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily. I think the fear that people have with the solution like that is, oh well, you can't just give people a free place to live forever. I don't think that's what it is, though. I don't think anybody, you know, not I've, that I've seen some of the affordable housing, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? But most people, no, when they get to a spot and they can support themselves, they dream of something bigger. Yeah. Right? So I, I don't think that yeah. the affordable housing that that is proposed in those sorts of, uh, uh, you know, in those scenarios, I, I don't think anyone, you know, at least most people aren't going to say, well, this is where I'm going to be forever. Right. Most people, sometimes people just need a helping hand. And now, again, the libertarian in me disagrees with, think, uh, you know, some of the, the government yeah. funded, you know, helping hands. But but also, you know, I look at society and say society isn't helping these people. So, you know, who, no, you know, not. and I understand and why not helping these yeah. people. So nobody's doing it. <laughs> At least, you know, I disagree with the methods that some people implement in the government to, to do these things. But, but you, you know, no, we're not as a people, as, a, as an American people, we're not but doing you, it. We're, yeah. You, you already pay for it. You right. already pay three times more than you should. Right. And so, so for yeah. me, like when I put it that way, it's like, it's, it's, it's not that it's not a no brainer. It's literally that right now we are choosing choosing to spend more money than we ever should have to we are choosing to do that simply because nobody will stand up and say oh i don't know why don't we spend a third of that and just provide housing yeah and that would make all of our costs go down it's very simple yep. it's so, it's so simple and yet nobody will do it i don't understand yeah i mean that's you know you uh, uh yeah i, I think you've you if you're spending the money, why not spend it wisely and in a way that's going to be more beneficial, you know, I think is, is what I hear you saying. Yeah. Um, all right. So and then it, of, like you said, after that, it, it really tied in. It's been mm-hmm. once they get to a place where they could dream of something more, they need to have an opportunity to be able to do that. And that's, I think the next part is we don't have that anymore. Right. We may have had it 50, 60, 70 years ago. We don't have that now. And so for me, having started two businesses, like I literally started my first one, $3,000 that I made at a summer camp. After a month and a half, I was down at 68 cents in my bank account. I didn't think I was going to. I thought I was going to be out there on this street, to be honest with you. Right. And knowing and seeing so many other people that try to do that, and it just it doesn't work, and then they have nothing left. I mean, that's it's, it's not only heartbreaking, but it's not the way it should be. And the only reason it is that way is because we've been taken advantage of for so long. All right. I want to, I want to talk about one more thing. Cause I know, um, you know, I don't want to hold you up too long and I appreciate the time that sure. you spent with me already. Um, I want to talk about, uh, something I have not had anybody talk about, uh, in all the interviews that I've done across state, uh, you know, local federal offices, internet as a public utility. 
Um, this yeah. the libertarian in me instantly gets an anxious, nervous stomach when I <laughs> just reading the title. Uh, so explain to me what you mean by internet as a public utility. Like what's your, what's your stance on that? Yeah. Well, uh, right now you, 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 <laughs> how many internet service providers do you have right now where you're at? Uh, just two, uh, two, yeah, two AT&T and Comcast are the only ones. Is that a free market? Oh no, not at all. Yeah. Nope. I, 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 yeah. 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 And it's never going to be. And so for me, I mean, at this point, as we've seen and we know, internet is as important to an economy, to people as water, electricity, <laughs> gas, basic things. It needs to be considered a public utility because right now the only people to be able to scale and handle those kind of services is the government. Otherwise, what you have is you have corporations who, by the way, are literally the most hated companies on the face of the planet, Comcast and Time Warner and others. And yet we, for some reason, are trusting them uh, with making sure that people have Internet. And number number one and number two. So you kind of have to think about it like, I guess, honestly, the the Postal Service. Um, Right now, they are able to get a, a letter to some of the most remote and rural places in the United States for a fraction of the cost of UPS or FedEx. And right now, we are not actually providing people that ability because right now, if you don't have internet, especially with the school shutdown, if you don't have access to internet, your kids don't get educated. Right. You are stuck. You can't start a business. You can't do literally anything in our society just because you can't afford internet. And so we need to be able to provide internet through the government, through whatever, to every single person, and it needs to be considered a public utility with affordable costs. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the problem with, part of the problem that there that creates a lack of options as far as internet is concerned is the, the amount of money it takes to put in the infrastructure. Um, you know, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it still makes me nervous. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right? There isn't really a free market. Um, you know, and, and I think the companies, it, it's funny the the companies that, that provide, uh, internet service to most folks really are probably some of the organiz one, some of the few organizations that people dislike, <laughs> they like them less than they like Congress, right? <laughs> like Congress has a historically low they you know, do. approval rating. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I don't well, know. We trust we trust our government to build roads, right? That's infrastructure. Right. Well, <laughs> we I mean, trust them to you be know, able to handle li- the internet. The libertarian in me, you know, ro- roads are a sore subject. I don't know how much you know about libertarians, but that's that's a that's a lot of. I I, I do I do yeah. So so don't get me riled up at on the, roads. At the same but, time, like at the same time, you pay taxes yeah. and it goes to roads, and you have decent roads. We don't have great roads. They definitely need to be fixed. Right. Basically everywhere. We need to actually invest in them, but it's one of those things where we're, where if we actually decide to invest in it, it would be fantastic. Do, I don't do know if honestly, you've gone to many other countries, yeah. But uh, I like when I go drive on roads. Like I've driven on a couple roads, like in Jamaica and other places, um, like in, in the islands, and it's I mean, it's not like here is paradise compared to there. Even in Hawaii, the roads are paradise compared to a lot of other countries, yeah. and so. Yeah, we can complain a lot, but we we still have a much better deal, especially here than most places. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I don't disagree with you there. I guess, like, I guess what, I guess my, my question to you would be, do you honestly, so right now with Comcast, uh, I get something close to like 500 megabits a second download speed. Do do you think that the government can deliver for Comcast for all their faults? They, they, when their product works, it, it, it works, right? Um, you know, Comcast throttles speeds. Comcast provides data caps. Comcast does a whole lot of things that there's no reason to do that's to slow down your internet so you're forced to pay more. Right. Right now, Comcast is the reason that internet is so slow here compared to the rest of the world. Hmm. That's okay. that's the answer I have for you. Right, <laughs> right, right now, you are paying a lot of money for worse service than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, you've given me something to think about, uh, you know, which which not, not very many people I talk to anymore <laughs> actually, you know, give me something where I'm like, hmm, you know, wonder, yeah. wonder, wonder. Well, I mean, I... You, got, you got net neutrality. I don't know if you, you saw what happened with uh, with Netflix when the first net neutrality stuff was going through. Um, but essentially, Comcast said to Netflix, either you pay us a ton more money right. or we're going to slow down the speeds for all of your users. And they essentially blackmailed and extorted Netflix right. in order to make sure that Netflix was paying more for basic Internet. Uh, for each of their users. And they were able to do that by IP, like by um, whatever company it was that they wanted to do. So effectively, right now, they are the mafia when it comes to internet. Right. And they can literally do anything they want to any company. They can destroy free speech if they want to. They can just uh, like remove people from the internet, like websites or companies from the inside and kill them if they wanted to. Right. And that's not really... That's not really an industry or, or like a way that I think is good for anyone, to be honest with you. Like so like yeah. if we're gonna think about it from a libertarian standpoint, like right now they have unlimited power with no balances, no checks, and everybody hates them. What do you do? Right. <laughs> yeah, the question is how do you you know, how do you how do you overcome that? Yep, yep. All right. So one last thing I want from you. Uh, basically you have an open mic right now to talk to the people of Clay County. Sure. Let the, I guess, you know, let's assume you make it past the primaries, right? I think, you know, talk to, in general, people in Clay County who aren't Democrats, uh, who aren't registered to your party. Why should they give Adam Christensen a shot uh, at Congress? Well, I think right now, (laughs) you know, I know what it's, I know what it's like to be backed into a corner. Like people my age, people, people like me. Like we have tried our hardest to get ahead, and at many times, like it's it's just not enough. Like for me and people I know, the hardest working people that I know are the ones that get paid the least. The hardest working people I know are the ones that can barely afford to feed their family, or they struggle to be able to you know keep their mortgage. And that shouldn't be the way that it is. And right now, for me, I'm the only one I believe that it's actually looking at problems and saying well, I'm not just going to give you a tax credit here or tinker around the edges. I'm actually going to try to fix things because the things that we have that are broken are systemic. They are bigger than just a surface level issue. What we've been doing for, I would say, 30, 40 years is trying to put Band-Aids on giant gaping wounds and then walking away and hoping that that fixes it. For me, I'm sick of that. Like, I don't care what color it is. I don't care if it has, if it's a Scooby-Doo Band-Aid. I don't care what it is. If you're not actually going to get in there and fix the things that are actually wrong and make sure that things can be better and that they're healed, then there's no reason to send you anywhere. And so for me, most of my opponents right now, 
they just give platitudes. They don't actually talk about what's going on or how to fix it. And I mean, one of them, their daddy is funding their campaign. And so like for me, that's not, not how it should be. That's not how it needs to be. And the people that actually have been going through the things that all of us are going through need to be the ones in Congress fixing it, not people that have been handed stuff their, their entire lives. And so for me, you know, our entire campaign and the slogan for this campaign is everything that we're doing is for the many, not just me. And that's me as a candidate. That's us as a campaign. Because when you have a group of people that are looking around and saying, look, everything that we want to do and everything we're trying to do is for all of us, not just me, I think that that's a little bit bigger than just one person. And so uh, for me, you know, I would love once we get out of the primary to really be able to show people that, look, I understand where you are. I understand where we are and we got to fix it because we really don't have a choice because if we don't fix it, um, Hawthorne is going to be beachfront property and most of us won't be able to afford to live. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I think. Awesome, man. Well, you know, again, appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate your views. Even, yeah. even when we don't, you know, necessarily agree. I, I love talking to people about what they think about all sorts of issues. So, uh, I'll say to you what I say to everyone. I, I wish you the best of luck at the polls, uh, and we'll see what happens. Appreciate it. All right.